1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will and I've been waiting to say this all offseason. Welcome to Draft Week, Bears fans. That's right. The NFL draft is just in a couple of days, and all of our speculation and projections are going to be thrown out the window. Whoa. It actually sounds pretty wasteful when you put it that way, but really, this is the week where we're going to finally have some answers to the questions that have been weighing on everybody's mind. Like, who are the Bears going to draft in the first round? Are they going to trade up? or maybe back. How will Ryan Pace address the needs at edge, offensive line, linebacker, wide receiver? Will he shock us again? We're all going to find out very soon. On today's show, it's our mock draft special. and It is one of my favorite episodes of the year. Now, I'm not the only one here to share my final Bears mock draft with you. I also have my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano here with me. Brothers, I want to know, how are your weekends, and are you ready for the draft? Because I am.
2: Yeah, the weekend was good. Uh kind of hoping I'd get to see you this weekend, but you were kind of under the weather, unfortunately. But I'm definitely looking forward to draft weekend here.
1: Yeah, me too. And I yeah, I wish I wasn't under the weather as well. I just want to make sure to note that. But how about you, Nick? I know you uh traveled up to Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I got to see my
3: girlfriend for the weekend, which was good. And the weather was actually nice. So I got to be outside and got to watch the Minnesota Timber Bulls beat, you know, the Houston Rockets. Jimmy Butler and Derek Rose did work, but yeah, it
1: was a great weekend and it's draft week. I'm so I'm stoked. Yeah, stoked is a perfect word for this week. So before we go ahead and share our final mock drafts, I think we need to take a step back and talk about hashtag 22 forever 23. See here at the Bears Brothers, not only do we pride ourselves on being your go to podcast for all the up to the minute insight and analysis all year long, but we also value the importance of team history and tradition as we strive to honor it the best that we can here. So earlier today, two of the all time greats to ever put on a Bears uniform, Matt Forte and Devin Hester, officially retired from the NFL and appropriately as Chicago Bears, they retired. And the Chicago Bears, they welcomed them home to what Jeff Joniat called and I quote, a living, breathing scrapbook of some of the greatest memories in this franchise. So guys, I want to begin begin with Devin Hester, who mentioned countless times today just how hard it was to walk away from the game of football, a game that he said was all he's really ever known, a game in which he put all of his eggs into, because even as a kid, he knew that the only thing that he wanted to do with his life is to play football at its highest level. But This is now the end of the road for Devin, who was an honored and privileged to be part of this Bears family. And Nick, I know you and I were talking a little bit earlier today and you're saying just how difficult it was watching Devin speak as he was your all time favorite. I want to know what your thoughts on his speech today and did that video that the Bears made of his highlights give you chills as much as it did me? Oh, yeah, I was watching that. And when he
3: steps up to the podium, he's, you know, he's very emotional. And I was there watching him. I was getting emotional. I'm glad he, you know, got it all together because I don't know if I would have honestly. And then just watching that video. Yeah, you see all those highlights, but that's just who Devin Hester was. He was a highlight real waiting to happen each and every play each and every time. He got the ball in his hands. You just didn't know what Devin Hester was going to do. But, yeah, it was a great tribute by the Bears. Uh, You know, he gave a great speech. And, you know, just what an honor for Devin Hester to go down as the greatest return man in the history of the game.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And something small that I want to mention, and it's not even really much about him, but it's something he said. It was that glimpse into what the culture that used to be here. He mentioned that. The Bears, when he was here, especially early on in his career, they had a, quote, brother bond. And I hope that those who are currently on the team kind of took note of that because Evan mentioned that every day after practice, the players always had plans with one another every single day. You know, that's a tight-knit group off the field, and I think that's really what allowed such special things to happen on the field. So I know Trubisky was there. I know Jordan Howard is there. I hope both of those took note of that because that's what they should strive to do to recreate here in Chicago. Nick, any other final thoughts on Devin Hester's speech? Any quotes maybe that stood out to you? Yeah, there was one where he said that he was always late to practice, which kind of just made
3: me laugh. I mean, Devin (laughs) Hester being the fast guy that he is, being late to practice, that one was a good one. But Does a robot
4: know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
3: Another one that's uh, more about the game of football in general is uh, they asked him about like kick returns and punt returns, if he thinks that's going to be a thing. And he said, I think two or three years down the road, that's going to be non-existent. And I mean, that he made his living off of that position. He said it was the most exciting thing in sports. And if it's gone, I mean, look at that. There's potential guy that hopefully we all see going to the hall of fame one day because of what he did in that aspect of the game. But in, you know, realistically that, that could be, completely wiped out but i just wanted to address that because devin hester i think should go down in the hall of fame for it and he said he, think he, he thinks he has a pretty good shot because literally teams feared him they could not kick to him and hopefully he gets into the you know canton for doing what he did at that position
1: yeah exactly Exactly. All right. I want to move on to Matt Forte. He mentioned that he had a goal when he entered the league. He wanted to play for a decade, and he did just that. Matt also said that he's thankful that he was able to play for such a long time. And in his humble ways, he mentioned that it just doesn't feel right to retire with his name right by Walter Payton's in the Bears record books. And Forte, he admitted that he just wanted to do his best and make things happen and that he let it all out on the field. He was never satisfied with any success, and he always strived to get better each and every day. He has no regrets besides not bringing a championship to to Chicago, the city where he's laid his roots and he still resides in. Nick, I want to know what do you want to mention about Matt Forte speech? You know, I mean, right when
3: he got up there, he cracks a joke. He's like, Oh, back in the day, Devin Hester had dreads and he was bald. He just really owned the moment, giving his speech to, you know, the media there. And uh the quote that I have that I was able to, you know, get and tweet out, it's kind of he said it's kind of and you mentioned it, Will, it's kind of surreal to me that my name is right there with him in this organization, him referring to uh Walter Payton. But yeah, those he had such a great career and it's weird because I don't really have a favorite moment of Matt Forte. It's just him on the over the longevity of his career doing what he did, knowing that you can count on him in each and every game to be the workhorse was just really was uh, great to see as him in his entire 10-year career. But, yeah, Matt Forte just, you know, he played the game right, and every time Bears fans knew you can count on him for each and every game.
1: Yeah, you know, Matt Forte, he approached the game right both on and off the field. We talked about it as soon as he – uh, the news broke that he wasn't going to return here to be a Chicago bear. We had a decent discussion on that a couple years ago, um, but I wanted to share a life lesson that I got from Matt today. He said that he'd go back and tell his rookie self to appreciate every moment that he steps into the building, to pay attention f- to the little things that go into the ins and the outs to the day-to-day operations of playing as a Chicago bear. And I took that um, at first, literally then I thought about it as I was eating dinner with my family today. And I really think you can extrapolate that into our lives, right? Don't get too caught up in your own routines and overlook the little things that allow our lives to be special. Because before we know it, all of our days are going to be over, just like Matt's career flew by in the blink of an eye. So I think if you take anything away from Matt Forte's speech today, maybe take that quote and kind of. Put it towards your own life just a little bit. But all right, guys, here's the big question. The elephant in the room, and it's one that we're not going to have an answer to for quite some time. But do you believe that either or both of these players are going to make their way all the way to Canton? And Brandon, I know you've been quiet, so I'm going to go at you and chime in first.
2: I think when uh, we had the discussion a couple years ago maybe about Devin Hester being in the Hall of Fame, uh, I think I was the only one on the panel that said no. Uh, just because kicker turners don't get into Canton. But then you really, I really sit back and really think about his career and what he did for the city of Chicago. And I I really think that he would be one that's definitely going to reach Canton. And I think especially Matt Forte as well, especially because he's second in the record books in the Chicago history as far as rushing yards. I think that's definitely Canton worthy, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think both these guys will end up there one day.
3: What about you, Nick? I I think Devin Hester will end up getting there eventually. Matt Forte, um, that one's gonna be a little tougher because there are, again a lot of great running backs that are you know still in the league or have done great things. But Matt Forte being second, you know, statistically and like everything for the Bears and just being behind Walter Payton, he he has a good chance. Uh, but I would definitely give the edge of Devin Hester making it because he does hold hold all the record books for all the returns. But yeah, definitely Devin Hester.
1: All right, so looking at Mafferté right now, he is 28th in NFL history at all-time scrimmage yards, and I mean, when you look at that, he's next to names like Jim Brown and Marvin Harrison, and he's less of a less than a thousand yards, I want to say, away from a guy who's in the Hall of Fame and Eric Dickerson. And when you're looking at like his time here in the league, he had more yards from scrimmage than any other player. That includes like guys like Adrian Peterson, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch. And so I understand where Matt Forte is a question mark, right? Because there's so many running backs, but where you see where he ends up 28th all time. And then 10, uh, in his 10 years here in the league, number one, Nick, I want to know, I think I know the answer, but I just want to please pick your brain here. (laughs) Say that special season goes a little bit different. Say Cutler's knee doesn't get hurt. The bears go to the super bowl. Maybe they win it. Matt Forte is now a super bowl champion. How does that change the perception? If
3: you win a Super Bowl, that changes everything. They want to see, are you a winner? So you did all these things, but did you end up winning, you know, where it counted? I think that would definitely push him forward. But you also got to account for this. How many offensive coordinators did Matt Forte go through? He was trying to name them all yeah, when I he was know. doing his speech. If he had consistency at, you know, just the offensive coordinator position or just anything like that in the offense, who knows how much more productive. Matt Forte could have been and he already was, you know, arguably the best at, you know, that time frame. So, yeah, if he wins a Super Bowl, I think definitely that pushes his chances of getting into the Hall of Fame. And then if he actually had consistent coordinators and, you know, adequate quarterback play at times, man, who knows where Matt Forte would be at the end of his career.
1: Exactly. And real quick on Hester, I'm just going to use his quote because I believe he deserves a bust in Canton, but just quote unquote from Devin Hester earlier today, sometimes you have to put a guy in the hall of fame for being the most dangerous guy on the field. And that was Devin. Every time he stepped foot in that field and the ball was in his hands, he was the most dangerous player out there out of all 22. He was on the very top. All right, guys, quickly. I want to know when you're looking back at both of their careers, what's their legacy? What comes to mind how are they going to be remembered those sorts of things and Brandon I want to go to you first both Forte and then Hester
2: I gotta start with Forte
1: don't I'll just (laughs)
2: okay I'm gonna say Hester really comes to mind as maybe the last great kick returner we may ever see in the game of football Uh, because like you said if they're going to potentially take away uh, the NFL kickoff whatever then you're not going to have guys like Devin Hester make a name for themselves in the league and I was listening to Dan Patrick show last week and he was saying How, you know, if they take the kickoff away, we're never going to see another Devin Hester. So I think that's uh, definitely the legacy that he's going to leave as potentially the last greatest kicker turner that we see. Uh, Matt Forte is really just going to go down as the guy who really could do it all. Like you said, he's 28th in the league as far as uh, yards from line of scrimmage, whatever. And I think that speaks volumes amongst itself when you list off guys like Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch. Sean McCoy, other guys like that who are very credible running backs may potentially, some people will say maybe better than Matt Forte. Uh, But Matt Forte was always the quiet guy at the workhorse that always just really put in the work and did everything he could to help his team win. And unfortunately, uh, like you said, he wished he could bring a Super Bowl to Chicago, and I wish he could have too. Uh, But it just just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately may be an understatement, (laughs) but I know what you mean. Uh, Nick, how about you? So if I had to like
3: describe Devin Hester's legacy or his career in one word, it would definitely be electrifying because every time, like I said, he got the balls, you just didn't know what he was going to do with it. I remember just always standing up on my couch, just, what? okay, they're actually going to kick to him. Are they going to kick out of bounds? But if they did kick to him, all right, what is this guy going to do with this play? What is he going to do? Is he going to take it back to the house? How many people's ankles is he going to break on his way? But just every time it was just instant, uh, you know, electrifying the crowd, everyone got on their feet. And then for Matt Forte, it was just, you know, accountable. You can anytime in any moment, any game, you just knew he was going to bring it and he was going to be productive when he did it. He was one of the best over that. Like we said, over the 10 year career, he was one of the best to ever do it. And again, I think he, he was the best, but yet he was underrated for all those years. Never was Matt Forte, you know, renowned as the best running back in the league. Never. But he did everything like he he should have been. He should have been. So Matt Forte accountable, Devin Hester electrifying. I think that's what you can really wrap up the careers by. I like it.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, Forte. Looking at it, I think it was a little bit ahead of his time. If he was just coming into league as a rookie right now, people would be going. Bonkers over him because he's a guy who can do it all, right? He's a three down back who can, uh, you know, make people pay between the tackles, but also take it, bounce it to the outside. And additionally, he can make plays as a receiver, not just out of the backfield in the screen game, but also lining up wide running routes. And it's a mismatch each and every time. And so, right now, if Manforte was just starting, it would be interesting to see what kind of career he would have because the game's evolved so much, uh even since he's arrived in the league in 2008. But uh, yeah, I think when I look at Forte, my biggest regret. Yes, the Super Bowl, but just the fact they only got to appear in two playoff games. I I tweeted that out about an hour ago. He only appeared in two playoff games and they were back to back and that was it. And someone who had such a Sustained success for all those years, especially playing with a defense that was pretty damn good as well. He should have been able to see a little bit more postseason action. And who knows if he would have been able to compile some of these postseason numbers like some of the other great running backs. Maybe that kind of would have bumped his stock up for Canton as well. And then when I look at Devin Hester, I think Jeff. Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
4: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime. Anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future.
0: Let's protect it.
1: Joni, I get it perfectly when he said uh, that Hester, he just changed game plans, made people think twice about everything, And obviously that kind of influence, it's just destined to make the hall of fame and some food for thought here, guys, if the bears would have had a bad defense, just imagine what kind of numbers Hester could have had off kickoff returns because the bears didn't have many because they didn't allow many teams to score. So on top of that, if you take his current sample size and if the bears defense would have been just even average, he would have had countless more opportunities to make even more special memories, more highlight reel plays happen, but he didn't have to luckily for us. Um, But just, just wanted to throw that out there. But guys, I think this is it. I think we're going to close the book on Matt Forte and Devin Hester. Both are now officially retired and bears for life. All right. So we need to take a moment and collect ourselves before we actually share with you our final bears mock drafts kind of transition, change some gears a little bit. But first, I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, we all have the SeatGeek apps on our phone. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Uh, we can be anywhere and just with a few taps, instantly find some seats. I was actually just looking at SeatGeek earlier today, uh, kind of checking in on tickets for both the Cubs and the White Sox. Uh, the Cubs, they do have an upcoming series against the Brewers. I just want to let you know that tickets are starting at about 20 bucks. And the White Sox are currently finishing one up against the Mariners, where tickets can be found for, well, about $4. And the app on top of that, guys, is super easy to use. You just look for any artist, event, venue, location that you're looking to go to one, and it'll just easily sort it. You click on it, and once you do, it shows you all the deals, and you can even rank them by the best deals. That way you get the best tickets for the best prices. And SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And SeatGeek, they save you the time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and to find you amazing deals. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and well, Tick tock, we're officially on the clock and it's time to do our mock draft. And I just want to prelude here that for the sake of consistency and time, we decided as a group to not have any trades in our final mock drafts, but don't let that fool you because I believe that pace is going to make a move at one point or another in this draft. Nick, do you agree? Is this like a consensus? Like there's going to be some point the bears are going to trade either up or down, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, it makes sense. Ryan pace has done it
3: and you just don't know what to expect from him. So yeah, it can definitely happen.
1: Yeah. And Brandon, how about you? Just want to make sure. So we have a consensus here. Uh, yes, because I believe in every draft that
2: Ryan Pace has been in so far, he has made at least one trade.
1: There we go. Perfect. All right. So let's begin. And before we do, I just want to go around the horn and answer one more question. I know I just keep building this up, waiting. <laughs> one more thing. One more thing. Uh, is this something, did you try to predict the picks or did you just do the best with the Bears stayed where they currently have with the slate of picks? Because Gosh, it is hard to try to fill in all the Bears needs with the current picks right now. And yes, you're going to try your best. But honestly, the more I came to it, I was like, I wish I could have done a trade. I wish we didn't come to disagreement. Do you guys agree there?
2: Yeah, there were a lot of things I wish I could have done differently just because this was so hard to be able to figure out.
1: What about you, Nick? Wow, I think I have like the
3: perfect mock draft. Every pick on <laughs> air is literally what's going to happen on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. No, it was it was actually really difficult. There were some nights where I couldn't sleep because I'm like, who are they drafting round one, number eight? And I couldn't sleep. So it's it was a difficult process for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, every time I go from the second round and I jump all the way to the fourth, I'm like, ooh, I really don't want to do this. There's so (laughs) much we're going to pass up on here. Hopefully, we can find a way to at least gain an additional third-round pick. But all right, guys, let's go ahead and let's get into our final mock drafts of the year. And we're in round one, pick number eight. Brandon, you're on the clock. Uh,
2: Round number one, pick number eight. uh, The Chicago Bears select 6'5", 253-pound linebacker Tremaine Edmonds out of the University of Virginia Tech. I think that this is I don't know necessarily he's going to be the best linebacker to fit, but uh long term, this is definitely a guy that Ryan Pace wants. Uh, cuz he's only 19, so he can be shaped in the really however Vic Fangio wants him to be whether that be an inside linebacker or another edge rusher that the Bears need. He's got a very uh, long frame, he's athletic, he's very quick. Uh, he tackles in the open field very well when you watch his highlight reel. Obviously it's a highlight reel, so he's not going to miss any tackles, but even watching game film, just regular game film, he doesn't miss very many tackles and it shows up in his stat sheet. In 2016, he had 106 total tackles, 18 and a half of them for a loss, and he had four and a half sacks. Then in 2017, he had 109 total tackles, 14 for a loss, and five and a half sacks. That is the type of production. He's always going to be around the ball. That's the kind of guy that I think Vic Fangio and Ryan Pace want on this defense, and they take him at number eight.
1: All right. Nick, do you
3: hear the tick-tock? I do hear the tick-tock, so I have some time. But no, I think the Bears were <laughs> the number eight overall pick, and – You know, this is the one I think is controversial, which maybe most Bears fans won't agree with, but I think they're going to select Marcus Davenport, outside linebacker from UTSA. Um, Looking at this draft and looking how Ryan Pace has addressed the first round, he goes for these guys with a lot of upside, a lot of athletic ability. You see Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Trubisky even being a very athletic quarterback. Marcus Davenport fits that mold, definitely. I mean, uh, he ran a four, what was it, a Forty time that was faster than Bradley Chubbs, who is regarded as the number one pass rusher. He's been compared to a Jadavion Clowney in terms of all the things he did at the combine, and he dominated at playing again a Division two at UTSA. And prospects uh, or scouts were wondering why didn't this guy play Division one football? What, what's wrong with Marcus Davenport? Uh, and something that comes up with uh, the common thing here was he not smart enough? Well, no. He, he was smart enough. He The teachers loved him. He, he was a role model in the classroom. So what was it? Well, at the senior year of high school, he just wasn't big enough. He was 6'5", 198 pounds. And now he's at the end of his senior year, 6'6", 264 pounds. So he definitely fits the mold now. But this is a guy who he doesn't look like your typical pass rusher in terms of being in the interview. He's soft-spoken. You would think he, he would give you a hug instead of just going and taking off your head as, as a pass rusher. But this is a guy, I think, when Ryan Pace is looking at this draft board. I think, honestly, I think Quinn Nelson's off the board. He's not going to be there. Tremaine Edmonds is another guy that possibly could go before that. And I think this is a guy, in terms of big boards, I think he's a lot higher than what people are projecting him at right now just because there's so much raw talent, so much upside to him. And if he gets a defensive coordinator like Vic Fangio to really mold him to be that destructive pass rusher off the edge – you pair him up with a Leonard Floyd in that defense with a Keem Hicks, this could be deadly. This could be then the last piece of that edge rushing, uh, you know, piece that the bears need on defense. So I think Marcus Davenport would be not a pick that's desperate in any means because Bradley Chubb's not on the board, but because he really could be a good asset, a good addition, a good upgrade for this bears defense.
1: I like it. And something that you talked about, about how he's a very quiet guy, but then when he puts the helmet on, he turns into a different animal. Do you know who that reminds me of?
3: Mike, oh, Singletary.
1: there you go. Yeah, oh. exactly. Yeah,
3: very yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's what he said. He and also, um, just to add more on to him, he when he makes it at the senior bowl, he was making plays and he scored a touchdown, recovering a fumble. But instead of just you know, celebrating or anything, just hands the ball off to the ref. He's not a guy that likes to celebrate or anything like that. He just lets his play speak for himself. And yeah, Brandon, you have a question?
2: Yeah, just for both you guys, who do you guys? like there's been a lot of debate about how this boards going to fall, how many quarterbacks are going to go. And that's really going to depend who the bears take at eight. Do you think like, cause you said that Tremaine Edmonds may possibly be off the boards. I mean, you have a low number of quarterbacks going,
3: no, that means I actually, I think Tremaine Edmonds, the guy being so young, being 19, not even 20 yet, that if there is a, I would say, f- I'm thinking four quarterbacks might go in, in just maybe the top five. Then you go best player available. I think Edmonds is up there on people's boards. I just think, what is he though? Is Are they going to make, like for the Bears, for instance, is he going to be that outside edge rusher or are you going to keep him inside? That's a thing. I think Marcus Davenport, you know, he's an outside edge rusher. He just didn't play at a division one school, but yeah, I think Edmonds is a guy that people have, you
1: know, high on the boards. All right. Sounds good. I don't really have anything else there to add. So I'm going to go ahead and self-proclaim that I'm on the clock. So with the eighth pick, I have the bears taking a linebacker. But he's out of Georgia. His name is Roquan Smith. And with the first pick, I believe they're going to get the best linebacker in the entire draft. You know, I had the Bears taking Roquan Smith in my very first mock draft. It really wasn't a popular pick at the time, but it does seem to be gaining some steam. I really tried to do something different, but I kept going back to Roquan Smith. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to stick with him. And remember, neither Nikolkowski or Danny Trevathan have put together full seasons at Chicago. Uh, in fact, they've missed 18 games combined. And it'd be foolish really to put your complete faith in them. And on top of that, Kwiatkowski, we know he's not the strongest linebacker in coverage. He's a little bit of a liability there. And I think that the addition of someone like a Roquan Smith would turn that liability into a strength. And I think that should be a goal of any first round pick to find a weakness and turn it into a strength. Roquan Smith, he is the NFL ready pick. And when we had Matt Bowen on the show two weeks ago, he confirmed that. Smith, he has a rare combination of speed and intelligence, which allows him to make plays sideline to sideline. And we already know Pacey loves, he craves athletic ability. And Smith, he fits the mold. It's also been well reported that he's a great leader. He seems to be the type of person that the Bears want to bring inside that locker room. And I know some people listening, you're probably worrying about his size and that he's probably going to have a hard time disengaging from blocks at the next level. And, you know, I totally understand your concerns there, but the NFL is ever changing It's quickly becoming a league where linebackers are being asked to play coverage more and more and to attack downhill in the box. Less and less. So that's why I think for the long term success of the defense, I'm going to take Smith hands down. And I thought about this last week when uh, they had the Bears during their uh, mini camp and they had Nick Kukowski at the podium. And I was like, wow, that's a bold move. That's showing they have confidence in Kukowski. Maybe that's a smokescreen by Ryan Pace saying, hey, you know, maybe put him out there. We're confident with him. We're going to put him in front of the media, uh, just like they had what Mike Glennon at the draft party last year and they got Trubisky. So don't take anything for granted with what the Bears are going to be doing. So for me, Maybe I'm looking too far into that, but I kind of saw that as a maybe possible smokescreen. All right, guys, round two, pick number 39. Nick, you're going to go on the clock first. Yeah, so I was, when I was looking at the guys here and I had my guys
3: selected and I had to watch film, I'm like, man, I'm about to watch film on an offensive lineman. How tedious, boring is this going to be? But it was Will Hernandez with the number 39 overall pick. And that film watching, I, I had to bring my little brother over just watching his film, and he's not big into football. But look at—I was like—he sealed off a block for his uh, running back, create a big hole, and I was just so excited watching this guy just maul over people, shove them to the ground. At six foot two, three hundred forty-eight pounds, he's definitely capable of that. And I don't know what his favorite food is, but there were so many pancake blocks as I was watching <laughs> this film. It was—it was insane. And he did have the most reps on the bench press 37 and it showed in his game, being able to do what he does, just overpower people. And again, this is going to be, it's going to fill a position for the bears that obviously they're still kind of looking for that left guard. They have cush. They have people that could play there, but I think Will Hernandez is a plug and play guy. And like I said, watching his film, he's a guy that he doesn't just block until the whistle he blocks after it. So if he has you, you're not going anywhere he's going to let you know it and kind of make fun of you for being not being able to do anything against him and as as i was watching his film i was just thinking of the blindside movie i think this is the guy most likely to replicate that one block in the blindside where michael orsha is just running down the field and throws <laughs> a guy over the fence i think will hernandez could actually do that to another human being he and he started all 37 games at utep at left guard won honorable mentions throughout his four years, all conference USA, basically his entire career at UTEP, but he didn't win a single game his senior season. So this guy's angry once he's definitely going to, when it comes into the NFL, he's just going to maul over people. And here's a really cool quote that I got from Bucky Brooks. Uh, it, and it was on the move the six podcast episode 290. If you guys don't listen to it, you definitely should. Um, he said, when I look at Will Hernandez, I think Will Hernandez's game may be better suited for the pros than Quinn Nelson. I think Will Hernandez, his game's a little more refined, a little more polished in terms of how he's going to play with his hands. So this is a guy that even though let's say the bears pass up on Quinn Nelson, Will Hernandez is definitely a capable guy that can come in, play and be really good at the position. And just some fun facts about him. Uh, huge video game nerd plays everything from the Nintendo 64 to Xbox one claims that nobody can beat him in Super Smash Brothers, I will tell you right now, I will whoop Will Hernandez in Smash (laughs) because I just just know I will. And it was a really cool uh, thing. It was just the last question on NFL Network who was interviewing him. Uh, They asked him, uh, what are you going to do with your first paycheck? And he's like, well, I'm very conservative with my money. Don't like spending it. i going to probably put most of it in the bank account. But he said the first pay of what he is going to buy, though, he wants a fancy toilet. The What is it, a bidet? That's, a, that's what he wants, a <laughs> fancy toilet. So that's Will Hernandez for you. I think he would be a great pick in that second round. If he's there, he could go bottom of the first. But, yeah, Will Hernandez would, you know, fulfill that left guard spot and be a great player for the Bears.
1: Wow, he seems like an interesting player and person off the field. So that's really cool stuff. I'm probably going to get my mind kind of sidetracked on this fancy toilet. I'm going to have to look it up <laughs> now. I'm, I, I'm sure it's one of those that kind of splashes up on you, but this is intriguing. But I want to go over to Brandon. Uh, I'm Speaking of toilet, who's your pick? Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was not expecting that transition. All right. Uh, so I also have an offensive lineman. Uh, I don't mind watching offensive lineman tape, as weird as that sounds. Uh, But I'm taking, uh, I think I have the Bears taking Billy Price, uh, offensive lineman from the Ohio State. Finally, a bed that
4: senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets, and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
2: University, uh, I said offensive lineman because he's versatile. He can play both center and guard. I think uh, very well because he's going to be one of the smartest guys in the room. Uh, there was a video clip of him that I found on YouTube. It's about five minutes long, uh, where he's on BTN, The Journey. And he's breaking down film tape against uh, Michigan. Fun fact, you can say Michigan uh, when you're at Ohio State, just can't refer to that university. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Um, But he's just breaking down the tape and what exactly is going on. And he knows that, like, in this tape against Michigan that there's six guys in the box and in the certain formation, eight out of 10 times the Mike linebacker drops back. But this is, was one of the two times where the linebacker blitzes. Uh, so all the offensive linemen have their guys and they know that the quarterback has to pick up this blitzing linebacker. So they shifted all the formation to the right, let him have an open lane. JT Barrett throws into the blitz. They didn't quite get enough for the first down, but they knew that that was really all that the five of them could do uh, in order to try and get the most potential gain that they could uh, in that and just the way he communicates it, because he's asking, oh, what are you pointing at? You know, you're know, uh, you talking over here. You're over talking over here. He goes, well, we have to all make sure that we're all on the same page. And that's something that I really want from someone who's going to play center. Now, Cody Whitehair could easily play center as well. Obviously, he's done it the last couple of years. But this really gives Harry he stands some some flexibility about how he wants offensive line with a guy who can play center and guard that they could take in the second round.
0: There
1: we go. I like it a lot. All right, moving on to my pick, guys. I went back-to-back defense. My next pick is another Georgia guy, but this is Lorenzo Carter, the edge player. So it's going to be back-to-back Bulldogs for me. Carter, he's a long, lean pass rusher that the Bears can, I think, instantly deploy week one against Aaron Rodgers. He did only have 15 career sacks, but he just killed the combine in just about every single category. And I think he'd be productive in our sub-packages early on with the potential to grow in either – in into a larger role and just what he did the combine was so impressive we all know how much ryan pace loves athletic players i think that's why carter fits the mold but carter he knows how to use his arm length to gain separation with his punches he knows how to set the edge maintain his and also maintain his contain say that 10 times fast but uh he has to speed the catch up to receivers after the catch especially in the flat and he has a very strong get off get off, and he does need to add more weight and muscle, and he also needs to work on his counter moves and rush plan, but I think those can be shored up with some good coaching, and I think we can all agree that the Bears have a very strong coaching staff, especially on defense. So in the end, I like his versatility. He can rush with his hand in the dirt, too, which I think is going to allow for some creative blitz packages. Uh, I think with his current I'm not going to call him lack of instincts, just not as strong of instincts as I would like for a second round player. I think the bears would have to be kind of be creative in how they use him early in his career and find ways to kind of uh, leverage that athleticism and strength to their advantage. And I'm going to even be up front. This is not my favorite pick. I think when I'm looking at the board, there really wasn't much better at the position available. And with no third round pick, I just really had a pull trigger the edge guy. Now, especially with going with Roquan Smith in the first round because The fourth round would have been way too late to address this position. Uh, Just super thin right now, paper thin, as I'm calling it. So for me, I'm going to go with Renzo Carter here from Georgia with my second pick. All right, guys, skipping round three. Like I said, it hurts. Hopefully we don't have to do that this weekend. Let's move on to round four. Pick 105. Brandon, you're up.
2: Yeah, I'm taking uh, wide receiver James Washington out of Oklahoma State University. He's only 5'11", 213 pounds, but he's very known for having good acceleration. Notice I said acceleration, not speed, because his first step is consistently slow off the line, which I think is really going to be a problem when it comes to the NFL. But coming out of the fourth round, this is a guy who's going to be fast. He's played both outside and in the slot uh, as a receiver. I think he could potentially be a, a zebra a second zebra option in Nagy's offense just because he can play either. He's got a lot of speed. He's got good ball tracking skills. He was really known for getting big, big chunks of yardage at Oklahoma State when Mason Rudolph was throwing to him. Uh I just I think this is he's gonna be a project wide receiver. I think he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, the ball tracking ability to do it. Uh, I just really think that he's gonna struggle when it comes to when he gets jammed at the line because you have to take uh the Big 12 defense with a grain of salt, I think, because they don't they play play very a conservative play very far back. They don't necessarily play up on the line. So I think he's going to struggle on that aspect, but once you get over it, he's got the acceleration to really be a threat on this offense.
1: I like it. I like it. So I'm going to go ahead and go up next just to change things up here. My first pick. So one Oh five, my first pick in a fourth round, I have brain Smith, the offensive lineman. He played guard at Auburn. And I just want to note, forewarn people, yes, I'm hoping for an unexpected fall with this pick. But again, we didn't have a third rounder, so I was hoping someone who would go in the third would fall here. So with here I have Braden Smith. He's not really the most natural of athletes, but he does possess what I'm calling extreme power. He was PFS third highest graded guard last year. He's also consistent as he started 41 consecutive games. For his elite play, Smith, he was a first-team All-American and an All-SEC selection last season. In the NFL, he can play both inside and out due to his build. He's 6'6", 303, um, and that power. But I think he projects better as a guard, which I think we can all agree is the current team need up front. So what I like is his power at the point of attack, his ability to lock on his guy once he gets that initial grab. Can He can also slow down some powerful bull rushers. So if you're looking at that Rams game coming up with Aaron Donald and also uh, Sue, I, every time I try, I should just forfeit that name right there. But um, so, yeah, that would be a matchup where I can see him kind of excelling, well, maybe not excelling, but helping out because we're going to need it. Um, but I'm going to admit that I'm also kind of personally worried about his athleticism and his play dipping when asked to kind of pull and also climb the second level. But I'm hoping that with some elite coaching here in Chicago, he's going to be able to become better at that over time. He, his natural ability, especially his strength and power, are just too hard to pass up at this point if he does fall. Uh, and just want to point out how strong he is. Nick, I want to ask you a question. In high school, how much would he have to bench press in order to make you go wow?
3: How much would he have to bench press to make me go wow in high school? Um, yeah. If you could bench press like maybe like 275, that would be like, oh, man. So
1: if I said 515? Yeah, that's a wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he. Been, oh, wow. There's a video. Look it up. Uh, you can watch him bench press 515 pounds when he's in high school. And on top of that, his 35 reps at the combine with under bench was tied for second uh, with Quentin Nelson. Just to show you how strong this guy is. This guy is the strongest offensive lineman probably in the draft in terms of pure strength. And I want to see it translate in the field. He'd be a mauler out there for the Bears. Someone who's nasty up front. And I think that would be a good fit, especially here in the fourth round. All right, Nick, how about you? Yeah, so round four, number
3: 105 overall. I have Uchina Nuoso from Outside Linebacker USC. Yeah, that's a name that I probably should have practiced a little bit more before coming out to the podcast. But uh, he was actually recruited uh, at USC to be a safety. That didn't work out so he went to be an outside linebacker but still he had those safety abilities he had 13 passes defended in his senior season um where Nwoso really excelled was when he worked from the outside in to get from to get to that inside shoulder of tackles and there he was able to use his quick feet Quick hands to get tackles off him to get you know that quicker route to the quarterback. Um, he's good at reading the quarterback's eyes, deflecting passes, having that natural instincts of being a safety, uh, and, and has a good bull rush move at times. So, something that I've noticed when watching his film, it just seemed like there were times where he just left plays out there. Don't know what the exact reason was, but of course, when being drafted in the NFL, and he's projected to be maybe a late day two, so late third round, maybe early day four pick um day three pick sorry um that needs to definitely be addressed moving forward he has a talent the ability to be a good edge rusher it's just can he have the effort and consistency on each and every play not just when he's asked hey go get the quarterback so he's going to go all out just when he's asked to drop back in coverage when he's asked to just run stuff a block we need to see that consistency that that was just for me watching but, um, you know, he was a starter and he also was only a starter at USC for the last two and a half years. And this is coming from an NFC West Coast uh scout. So that's why he's thinking they can possibly be a day three pick and maybe in position for the Bears to draft. Because obviously the Bears had so many outside linebackers go down to injury. You just need to have a whole bunch of deaf pizzas at that position. But it's the guy I like what he can do. Um, He had 20 reps on the bench press, ran a four, six, five, 40 yard dash, 32 inch vertical. So he's athletic. He has the ability, just needs to put it all together. And I think Vic Fangio can possibly get that out of him and obviously develop. He wouldn't be, according to my mock draft, it would be probably Leonard Floyd, Marcus Davenport coming off the edge. So he's a guy that would come in maybe situationally. And a guy, like I said, with that safety background could drop back into coverage. But yeah, uh, let me try pronouncing this again. Uh, Uchina nuoso Nwoso? I don't know. Well, I have him at number 105 <laughs> overall to the Bears.
1: There we go. Again, we don't get paid to pronounce names, at least correctly, so that's okay. (laughs) I mean, I am self admittedly the worst name pronouncer ever. Um, So guys, we are now halfway through our fourth round. We do have two picks there. So before we go to round four, pick 115, which is only 10 quick spots away, I want to tell fans a little bit about our trip coming up this year. We're going to go to Miami. We already have it all set, all... Well, almost set. We still want you to come with us. That's the big thing right now. We're trying to find more Bears fans to come with us. Right now, we have a handful of Bears fans on top of some friends and family as well who's going to go with us down to Miami to watch the Bears take on the Dolphins in week six. And right now, it's super—it's a super friendly deal. For 80 bucks, you can get the game ticket. a We're going to design a one-of-a-kind t-shirt for everyone who attends this event, our little group, our little meetup for the weekend in Miami. And on top of that, you're going to get our season preview magazine for free. And if you're wondering, you guys do a season preview magazine? Yeah, it's new. I've been keeping it under wraps on purpose, and we're, it's looking pretty nice. So it's going to be a great value for you. So, yeah, $80, you get to go see a game, you get to hang out with us, get a free T-shirt and a season preview magazine. Seems pretty cool. Nick, I've been dealing with a migraine all weekend, so can you talk this up a little bit? Yeah, so
3: I have a friend who works for the Miami Dolphins, and he actually reached out to me to just to see if our fans, if you know, if Will, Brandon, and I were even interested in going to Miami. And, of course, we were interested in going to Miami to watch the Bears. Who wouldn't want to do that? But yeah, as soon as um, he told me about it, we got some more details. I actually submitted the deposit over the weekend. So now it's just a couple of weeks. We'll get to know the set prices and he'll be able to actually distribute the tickets to me once we get that all settled. So definitely, if you have the time, make the accommodations, maybe find a hotel, trip, however you need to get to Miami, do it through us. I mean, it's a pretty great deal. You get to hang out with us, hang out with a bunch of Bears fans and you know, in October, it can already be cold in Chicago. Why not just go watch a game in Miami, where it's you know it's going to be probably sunny, nice weather, and hopefully we get to see a Bears win. But yeah, definitely look into that. You
1: can see that what just on the website. Yep, uh, it's going to be at thebearsbros. slash miami dash trip. So or that you can just Google it. I put a card actually here on YouTube too. So if you're watching on YouTube, definitely check it out. I'll be throwing in the show notes uh, for those listening on the podcast as well, and for those wondering, well, where are the tickets? It's a little fishy. We don't know until we actually purchase the tickets, which, of course, we need to know how many people are going first. Um, But we can guarantee it's going to be in the 300s just due to the large size that our group's going to be. And Nick and I, we decided that we're going to purchase the very first day we can. That way we can get the best seats for you. So don't worry about it. We're going to make sure we have the best seats possible. And we're going to be hanging out with a bunch of Bears fans down in Miami. We're going to be the loudest section in that stadium and we're going to be rooting for the right team. So definitely come down. Check it out. We already have a handful of Bears fans are coming down with us and we want you to. Honestly, the more to merrier, As Nick said, I think in an email to me, there's no limit on the amount of tickets that we can get for this. So let's go ahead and just bring as many Bears fans as possible. All right, guys, that was fun. I can't wait to see plenty of Bears fans in Miami. I get excited just thinking about it, but we still have a mock draft to do. So let's go back to the fourth round because look at that. We're back on the clock. Round four, pick 115. Brandon, go ahead.
2: Well, I got to get myself out of the palm trees for a second here and get back to my uh my mock draft <laughs> notes. All right, uh, pick 115. I have the Bears selecting safety from Penn State, Marcus Allen, uh, 6'2, And uh, wow, we all thought Adrian Amos was a big hitter. Uh, I had the Marcus Allen tape on repeat uh, for a couple hours just because the dude hits so hard. He plays downhill, plays very aggressively, where he really struggles. And I think this is why he's going to be a day three pick. Uh, He's not exactly the best in coverage. He plays single high safety pretty well, but in other coverages, He's just not as fluid or efficient as far as getting around the field, Uh, has some footwork things that he probably needs to work on. Uh, But his physicality his aggressiveness is really what makes him a very attractive pick. And I think, uh, I think he's going to be the diamond in the rough in this draft, to be honest on day three. I mean, his physicality just provides him just to be a great matchup against bigger wide receivers or tight ends, however you want to put him. But he was a team captain uh, at Penn state. He's great in the locker room. Uh, He embraces that character that he brings to the locker room and just add some statistics because I, Ah uh, mentioned Tremaine Edmonds' productivity. Now he's always around the ball. Mark Sallin is exactly the same way. He had seventy-one tackles in twenty seventeen, and he had one hundred ten in twenty sixteen. Uh, the dude is just a very, very productive safety, and he played with Adrian Amos. Uh, he was the fresh. He was a freshman when Amos was coming into the draft, so uh, they already have somewhat of a chemistry together. It'd be a pretty good backup uh, duo combo there.
1: There we go. I like it. I mean, anytime you can add familiarity to the table, it's a definite added bonus, right. um, no doubt. All right, Nick, how about you? Who's your second, fourth rounder? Yeah, uh,
3: number 115 overall, I have defensive tackle out of Fort Hayes State, Nathan Shepard. This is a guy, um, he talked to the media at the combine, the NFL combine, and he said that teams really liked his perseverance, not just on the field, but off of it. He started his collegiate career at Simmons Fraser University, and he was a linebacker, six foot one, 205 pounds. Uh, He eventually got to six foot five, 315 pounds, but backtrack a little before that. Um, he had financial issues there, had to leave after just one year of eligibility there, uh, returned to Toronto, where he's originally from in 2014. He used to work 12 hour shifts at a factory that printed boxes. And he said he would make boxes, anything from a Coke to to a case of beer. So he was working all the time. But uh, and sometimes he would have he would even have to bike to work just to save money. Um, but he saved up enough money to where he eventually enrolled at Fort Hayes State in 2015. Um paying his first semester as a walk-on but there in his senior season he registered 38 tackles. Finally a bed that
4: senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night every night. For a limited time save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic Get full offer details at
3: temperpedic.com. Um, 12 and a half for loss, four sacks, and was a mid-american intercollegiate athletics association. That's a mouthful to say, defensive player of the year. Um, and like I said, he definitely grew a lot bigger from being that linebacker initially uh, to being that senior at six foot five, three to fifteen pounds. Um, you know, and then while he was there, he still actually worked after the game. If there was a home game just to make that extra money, he bounced at the bars after game. So it just shows the dedication, the work that this guy had to put in, not just on the field, but off of it. And it was a pretty cool comparison. I saw reading an article about him. NFL draft guru, Mike Mayock actually said a really good comparison for this guy. And this is a guy that all Bears fans should be very familiar with. Um, is none other than Chicago Bears' Akeem Hicks, a guy that just gets off the line of scrimmage, has that power, that tenacity, and you know, fear, aggression to just get after quarterbacks. That's what he did at, at Fort Hayes State. There were multiple times watching his tape where offensive linemen had no chance whatsoever guarding this guy. And yes, it is a smaller school, but still, he dominated. And you know, there's a probably a good chance. He's, he may not even be there at the Bears pick at 115, but maybe just, dude, uh, he, he did actually end up fracturing, I think, his hand in, um, I think it was a practice there, at the senior bowl. So I don't know if that lowers his stock a little bit. I, I doubt it does. But again, he drove old offensive linemen back, eating up double teams, has good awareness, especially when diagnosing screens. A guy that can be a pretty good asset to this Bears defensive line, and if he's being anything compared to Akeem Hicks, we know what that was like. And if you can get another one of those guys on the team, that's only going to make him better moving forward. But I really like him, like his upside. Just don't know if he's going to be there when the Bears pick at one fifteen in the fourth round.
1: I like it. I mean, all 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 of last season, we said, "Wow, we need to give Akeem Hicks a break." Right now, you can give him a break and just put his little like what mini me like right in there. Like, all right, go, you're next. And then it's like Keen Hicks never leaves. That's perfect. I like that a lot. All right, so for my pick though, I do have oh, I do have a pick. His name is. <laughs> Traquan Smith, he's a wide receiver from UCF. And I thought about pegging my guy, uh, Simi Cops Jr., for my alma mater, Indiana, here, but I decided to just kind of bring something different to the table. Smith, he was a dangerous receiver for UCF. Uh, he just, the man just put up points. He had 13 touchdowns last season alone on 59 catches and nearly 1,200 yards, plus 78% of his catches went for first down. So the not only does he put up points, but the man moves the stick. So it's two things that you want in your offense, right? You want to move downfield and you want to put up points. He can help you do that. Back in the senior bowl, he displayed his ability to catch in traffic, to run tight routes, and that he does have some decent hands because there were questions around that. It's also it's very well documented that Smith is a natural leader who makes his teammates better and is always willing as a blocker as well. So he puts in work blocking on the outside. Now, he isn't the tallest. He's six foot one. But his 80 inch and th- 80 and 38 inch wingspan is in the 96th percentile. So it's wicked out there. And I'm sure that catch radius has uh, caught the attention of Ryan Pace. But Smith, his toughness and body control are two attributes that jump off on paper. And according to PFF, he caught about 70.8% of his deep targets last season, which was second in the entire nation. He'd be an instant big play threat for Chicago. And like most prospects, he can improve, especially when you're picking now in the middle of the draft. Um, but when you're looking at what he can improve, he can improve his route running and his game speed. It doesn't live up to his uh, 40. I think it was like the mid four fours. I forgot to write that down. But he has the ability to track, go up and get the balls at their highest point. And I think that ability should be enticing to have here in Chicago. And guys, can you recall another wideout from UCF that went in the fourth round, had a pretty decent career? No,
3: I, I'm blinking. I have no idea.
2: I, I feel like I know, but I can't come up with his name.
1: Boo. Brandon Marshall. I knew it. I wanted to say Marshall. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Brandon Marshall, so there we go. I'm not comparing the two. They're totally different type of receivers, but just the fact that they both went to the same school and I haven't pegged in the fourth round, that's the only comparison I'm making here. But no, I think Smith would be a good fit here. And for those listening, yeah, I did this whole mock draft and I realized I had three Smiths going to the Bears in in the first four rounds. Did it by accident. I just went with the player to even think about last names. So they would be very confused during their introductory press conferences. This was definitely the case. But guys, let's go ahead and move into the fifth round. Pick number 145. And I'm going to go right back to Nick for his pick.
3: Yeah. So round five, number 145 overall. I have the Bears selecting wide receiver out of Northern Iowa, Darius Fountain. This guy really blew up after his pro day. And that was because he had at six foot one, 210 pounds. The guy ran a four48 40 yard dash, but it was his vertical jump, 42.5 inches. That would have been the best among all wide receivers at the NFL Combine. Of course, he doesn't get an invite, and he has a chip on his shoulder for not being invited to you know, amongst the best uh, college players and trying to make their ways to the NFL. But he was at the East and West Shrine game, and he was the offensive MVP there. He caught three passes for 61 yards, and his team's QBs uh, only threw for a total of 132 yards, so he almost had nearly half of that. Um, Career stats, 150 receptions. Two over two thousand yards, 23, twenty-three touchdowns in four seasons. Twelve of those touchdowns coming last season. And when you look at these later rounds, this is where teams are going to take those risks. Those guys that maybe didn't—they went to these smaller schools, but they have all this this upside, this raw talent, these explosive traits, and maybe did you know put up some good numbers like uh, you know Darius did. But I think this is a pick that screams Ryan Pace, some guy that he's just going to take a chance on, see if he can uh, unlock that, that potential really, because there are at you and I, um, not the best quarterback play, um, not the best division, not a, teams that are going to produce like big athletes. Um, but again, he's got a lot of upside. And like I say, he's got a chip on his shoulders. Um, NFL scouts were talking to him and they, they interviewed him. They were saying that most likely he'd be a day three pick, uh, anywhere from that fourth round, uh, to, to the seventh round but he is a guy that will need to work on his route running, needs to be more in a complex offensive system, see if he can get all the route combinations. He's a project, but I think this is one that you can take with considering all the weapons that Ryan Pace has already brought in. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be expected to contribute right away, but he was productive has these freakish athletic ability uh, like I said posting the highest vertical jump if he was at the NFL combine. So it's a guy I like some maybe pace takes a chance on him. But yeah, that's who I
1: got uh going in. What round are we in now? We are in, in the fifth. Five. We're in round 5. So yeah. There we go. I like it. So for me, I pick 145. I have the Bears taking a defensive end out of Stephen F Austin. His name John Franklin Myers. And again, I think we're all probably throwing in some small school guys because we all know how much Ryan Pace seems to not be afraid to take pull the trigger on him. And stay tuned. I might have another one later on in the draft. But at six foot four and 290, Franklin Myers has the stature needed to be a 3-4 defensive end. We all know the Bears are still hoping that both John Bullard and Roy Robertson Harris kind of finally take flight, but we still need more depth behind them and Akeem Hicks. Franklin Myers is that perfect developmental piece. Like Nick said, at this point in the draft, you're taking risks and you're trying to find guys you can develop to be uh, instant role players and also potential starters down the road. Over his last two years, he compiled 28 tackles for a loss, 11 and a half sacks, and 87 total stops. He has explosive upper body power, balance, and lateral quickness, and can work edge to edge as a rusher. He does lack some bend, but he will need to improve his hand placement to fight off NFL talent. But I think with good coaching, I don't think that those two things are really anything he can't overcome. And I think if he can refine that technique, he has the upside to be a decent rotational piece early in his career. And at this point, I think that's exactly what we need here in Chicago. And I also want to mention that when I was doing some final preparations earlier today on this mock draft, I saw a report over at uh, from our friend at Windy City Gridiron, that the Bears actually met with him earlier today. So for what that's worth, I mean, I already had him pegged here, but now I am a little, just a little bit more solidified in my logic here, taking Franklin Myers in the fifth round. What about you B who's going at one uh,
2: I'm taking a small school guy, uh, similar to you and also stick around because I might have another one uh, later in the draft. Uh, yes, I did just say what you just said on purpose. Cause it's fun. Um, <laughs> it? But I'm taking PJ hall, the defensive lineman of Sam Houston state, uh, Apparently he's a very polarizing guy. Uh, I've seen there was a conversation that Nick was having with someone on there who didn't like his tape, but Nick liked him and I like him. So I had to hop in there and back him up a little bit. Uh, but the three things that really come to mind is he's versatile uh, because he's played tackle and he's been a stand-up bed rusher uh, all in his career there at Sam Houston State uh, production. Guy just knows how to get to the football. He's always around the football uh, and then football IQ is just very, very quick to diagnose the play and get to the ball carrier. Uh, he's every bit of 310 pounds and I really think it's all muscle because he can (laughs) squat 700 pounds and you don't just become a Jerry Rice award winner for nothing. Uh, I mean, he really does have a great point of attack and like I said, he's very quick to diagnose the play and he knows what his next move is going to be. He's going to try and be as disruptive as he possibly can. And it shows on his tape, I think apparently not to some people, but even if he doesn't pan out, I mean, he's blocked four field goals at Sam Houston state. So if anything, he could end up on special teams as well.
1: That is seriously your fetish, isn't it? yeah (laughs) blocked field goals i mean you're still all about deandre houston carson how many did he have at william and mary uh 15 you should have known that i I gotta double check that yeah 12
3: 15 i feel like yeah
1: it was one of those weird numbers in that general area of the number order but yeah block that kick (laughs) all right guys round six pick 181 i believe if i have that down correctly There's there's so many weird conflicting pick numbers out there, which is so odd. But anyway, moving on, side note, um, let's go ahead, 181. Brandon, right back to you.
2: I hope it's 181 because that's a number I have too. Uh, but I'm taking. Uh, I think the Bears are going to take Leon Jacobs, linebacker, out of Wisconsin because he's yet just another athletic linebacker uh, for the Bears who's going to fall to the sixth round. I think. I mean, he just hasn't earned the time, so his tape isn't necessarily there to know what he can do. Uh, but he ran a 4.48 40-yard dash and he put up 26 reps on the bench at the at the at the combine. So he's a very athletic guy. Strong guy, he can play either inside or outside. Uh, and when you watch his tape, unfortunately, a lot of it's against Purdue because uh, his def- or their defense really just tore up our offense in that game. Uh, and he for the he had a season high and career sacks uh, last season, three and a half sacks. so He doesn't really get after the quarterback a whole lot, but it really just kind of depends on the scheme. He was mostly an inside guy. Uh, he had 60 total tackles on the year last year. I think he's still a project, uh, but he's got a lot of raw talent that Vic Fangio can really work with, and I think he can really develop him with his long athleticism into a very good edge rusher.
3: Alright, alright. What about you, Nick? So, round six, number 181, I have the Bears drafting Sean Dion Hamilton, inside linebacker from Alabama, and this is a guy that um, I was looking to see where he was projected to get drafted at, because he really is a good linebacker, and I looked at three different uh, sites, all around that round six, round seven-ish, and it's because of the injuries he sustained over his career. Um, his senior season, um, he had 40, 40 tackles, five and a half for loss, two and a half sacks, but During the matchup against LSU, he broke his right kneecap. Before then, 2016, he tore his right ACL during the SEC championship game against Florida. But just watching his tape, the guy recognizes runs, runs well, fast in coverage, shoots the gaps before blockers can even be set up, takes on blocks, and still makes tackles. But those two significant lower leg injuries, which happen to the right leg, are really going to Affect his draft stock, and he he recognizes that he was uh in the article I read. He knows that teams are going to be wary of his medicals and they, as they should be, you don't want to draft the guy just for him to be out of the league within a year or two. But um, he did excel, he was a very instinctive, very fast playing linebacker. And it's Alabama, I mean, you're it's expected, but you also got to take into consideration he did play uh with some very great players. There's probably a couple first round picks, uh, alongside Rashawn Evans. Deron Payne, Mick Fitzpatrick's back there patrolling the secondary. So there are some really good players that he's playing with, and maybe that can also result in him elevating his play. But if he stays healthy, this this would be a great addition for you know any team really. If you can get a a guy like with his talent, Hamilton, in the sixth round, one of these later picks, and he ends up being a contributor on defense. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the tenacity, the instinctiveness to really be a good player in this league, just if he can stay healthy. And that's going to be the question for multiple teams who are looking looking at him possibly in these later rounds.
1: And it worked out pretty well for la- last season uh, with Ryan Pace drafting someone from Alabama with a slight injury concern, right? Exactly. I think Eddie Jackson panned out all right. I would say that qualifies, no doubt about it. All right, so let's just keep rolling. And I say rolling... Kind of purposely here uh, because I have a, someone from Alabama going here as well. So I have Levi Wallace, the cornerback out of well, I just said it, Alabama. Rolled. There we go. You caught the rolling, but is this roll? So I guess I totally botched it, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. I accept my loss, and I move on. But I think here in the sixth round, you know, I saw a few different mock drafts where the Bears people have the Bears targeting corner earlier, way earlier, and to me, it doesn't make much sense, right? They put a good amount of money. At that position with Kyle Fuller, Prince of and Bryce Callahan all coming to terms. And I just don't see how a rookie safety or another corner, uh, again, unless they're a game-changing talent in the first round or maybe even early second, is really going to help this team right now. So here in the sixth round, I have the Bears taking Wallace, who is someone I can see starting on a practice squad, earning his way up through the ranks to a special team contributor role, and then someone who can step in down the road and develop into a decent starter. Why do I believe that? Because it's exactly what he did at Alabama. He was that rare Alabama walk-on that earned his way to a starting role by earning Nick Saban's respect with hard work and determination. Didn't even see the field for his first two seasons. He just proves that he is mentally tough and he's not willing to give up when he really wants to accomplish something. Last season, Wallace led Alabama with 15 pass breakups. Guess that's more than Minka Fitzpatrick. Finally. by the way, and he also tallied three interceptions, 48 tackles, and two sacks. In addition, Wallace only allowed completions on 32.7% of the targets that went his way. So with the athletic upside, the ball production, and the ability to overcome, I think Wallace is worth a shot in the sixth round in my book. And honestly, anytime you take an Alabama player, you're going to get a really solid football player any way you cut it. All right, guys, here we go. We're time to wrap up. Round seven, pick number two hundred and twenty four. This is where things get really subjective. Who am I kidding? The whole thing's been subjective. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. But uh, let's go ahead and close it out, guys. And let's go with Nick first. Who's your uh, Mr. Bears, Mr. Irrelevant?
3: Yeah, round seven, number 224. Get pumped up for this pick. It is Charvarius Ward, cornerback from Middle Tennessee State. Um, and over the past couple of years now, Middle Tennessee State has had an act for producing NFL caliber defensive backs. Uh, Tennessee Titans, Kevin uh, Byard, former Jacksonville Jaguar. I think he's currently a free agent right now. Uh, Jeremy Kircher and current Jaguar, Sammy uh, Seemster. These are all guys that came out of middle Tennessee state. And, you know, Charverius Ward has a chance to be another one. Um, What he does well is um, he just reacts distinctly to the ball. There wasn't really a lot of tape. So it was just based off of, you know, reading articles and watching the tape that I could watch. But in his senior season, he recorded 34 solo tackles. Had one sack, had a team-high 14 pass breakups. So it shows you that he's there. Just needs to be able to maybe make that extra quick step just to get in front of the ball and maybe to pick it off. But um, at his pro day, Ward had a 40 time of 4.43 seconds. Pretty good time for for a cornerback and a 37.5-inch vertical, 11-inch broad jump. So he's pretty athletic. A guy that maybe a team, again, looking at these lower rounds, especially the seventh round. Just seeing if there's anything there, um, but it'll be a challenge for Ward to make the NFL. I mean, obviously, if you're projected this low, um, there's no guarantee that you're actually going to be a draft pick. Maybe you're a free agent, a restricted free agent, moving forward. But I, you know, maybe knowing that uh, his former teammates, former guys from the program, have gone to the NFL, maybe give him some uh, some upside, some confidence, and maybe he can be drafted. I think. With- we should do we'll see if any one of our seventh round guys actually gets drafted i think that's a win for you know all these mock drafts if one of these guys gets drafted that would be uh you know win whoever gets the players that got drafted actually
1: yeah that makes sense right i mean i'm pretty sure i've seen a few of mine in the past these past couple three years uh who i would pick and then they become an undrafted rookie i'm like dang it I tried. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, before Brandon goes, I'm going to go ahead and just step in and put it my pick. I have Javon Roland Jones. He's an edge player from Arkansas State. And he's someone who one of our writers on staff, Mark Taylorico, he uh, was able, he has season tickets to watch the Razorbacks. And oh, not, yeah. And uh, so yeah, I don't know why I got lost there. But anyway, so he has, he's watched them uh, per- personally over all this, right? And he says this is a guy who's a difference maker. And even though, wait, Arkansas State, that's not the Razorbacks, is it? This is Arkansas. Arkansas. See? Arkansas. I knew I was wrong. And I was like, no, I'm right. And now I'm wrong. It's the migraine guys. I'm gonna just count it on that. But all right, anyway, so no Razorbacks. Let's take a step back. Javon Roland Jones, he's an edge player from Arkansas State. And Mark Telerico, the writer on our website, gave him two thumbs up because he has tickets. He watches them and he says he's a really much of a, well, I'm gonna say it. He's a badass. And the even though I've waited all the way around to the second, uh, the seventh round to grab my second edge rusher, um, don't let that fool you because this guy—he's a playmaker. He knows uh, he may fall the way down seventh round pick, and if he does, that's tantalizing for me. Another small school pace type pick, and uh, Arkansas State—he's the best player on the field every single down he played. He's the Sun Belt Conference Player of the Year as a junior and a senior. Over the last two years, he had 50 tackles for a loss, 26 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. He's not the most gifted of athletes, but he'll survive with his high motor, good coaching staff that can help him already hone his large collection of pass rush moves. And when you watch his tape, you can see that he knows how to use his hands to disengage blockers, and he plays with tremendous instincts, which goes all the way back to my first pick in Raquan Smith. Um, but that also is going to allow him to make plays despite not being, again, the most gifted of athletes. So taking a gamble in the seventh round is what every team's going to do. And I think if the Bears have the chance to take a chance on this ultra productive player here with the final pick, it's something I and I'm sure Ryan Pace is comfortable with doing. But anytime you watch Roland Jones's tape, he is the only player that stands out for a reason because he is absolutely hands down the best player on that field. No doubt about it. All right, B. How about you? Who's your final pick?
2: Ooh, Will cuss on Live Podcast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh um, Bears Mr. Elvin's gonna be a uh, Michael Joseph, cornerback out of Duquesne. Uh I think this really just solidifies the backside of the defense, adding some depth. Uh especially to the slot. I don't necessarily even need it on the outsides, but uh, he has played both the outside and the slot uh, corner before. And what Ryan Pace says with these small school guys, is he really wants to look and see if they dominate. Michael Joseph just really looks to be a step ahead of everyone else out there on the field on defense. He's aggressive. He's going to go get the ball. He's got 15 interceptions over his last three seasons. When you watch the highlight reel, it really looks like he dominates. There isn't a whole lot of game tape on Duquesne. Uh, so really, it's just kind of his highlight reel. And he really just looks like he is honestly a step ahead of everyone else. He's going to go get the ball when it's in flight. He's going to fight for the 50-50 balls. And that's what I really think is really going to put him over the edge and get him into uh, being drafted rather than being an undrafted free agent. And that's why I'm going to win the mock draft because I got my uh, round seven guy drafted because uh, he's going to. Uh, but no, he's just an aggressive guy. That I really think he's, he's going to earn a spot somewhere. Uh, I think it's uh, primarily for the Bears going to be as a backup slot guy.
1: All right. I like it. You guys, that was, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, Do you guys remember, did we get any picks right last year? I don't think so.
2: Nick had the first uh, position for the bears, right?
3: I had that. And the only one one that we, I, I don't know if anyone's gotten a pick right. I mean, I had Jonathan Bullard in the second round. He got drafted in the third round, but that's the only pick that has actually been in a mock and that's actually been picked. So I'm, 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 I'm pumped. I want to see which one of us actually can get one. If, we can get one if we can even get our seventh round guy giraffe That'd be great. <laughs> but let's see. This is a competition. I like uh,
1: seeing what ends up happening. But of course, it's going to be me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my confidence is shot today. Like I said, I've been. I mean, look, I mean, you can see I'm sitting in a dark room today. I have been just uh, I've just been dealing with a lot of well pain. But it's OK. You persevere. I'm here. Michael Jordan had the flu game. Today is Will's migraine <laughs> podcast. So. It works out. But all right, there you have it. That is going to be each of our final Bears mock drafts. And to close, I'm going to pose a question. Do you want more? And if so, I have great news because just head over to our site, thebearsrose.com, anytime, anytime on or after Tuesday, April 24th, to check out our entire staff's final mock drafts. You know our three, but there are still five more over there waiting for you. The next time you hear from us, it's going to be... Crazy. We're gonna be live as soon as the Bears are on the clock with the eighth pick, maybe sooner. Um, and if they end up trading down, we'll just try again when they're back on the clock. Who will the bears first who would be the bears first pick? Would it be Myroquan Smith, Brandon Tremaine Edmonds, Nick's Marcus Davenport, or someone else? Will Ryan Pace make our jaws drop like he did last year? We're gonna find out on Thursday. But until then, get ready and bear down Chicago. <laughs>